Hi there, travelers. I'm Angelica. I'm Isabella. I'm Riley. And this is True Crime International. You have to cough. That's our music. Yeah, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I have to burp. No, there's our other. There's our background <laughs> music. <laughs> mine, mine is normally sniffling. I get the sniffles a lot when we record. Okay, don't talk about it because now I'll get the sniffles. <laughs> so, Angelica, where are you taking us today? Today, we are traveling to the state of Para in Brazil, but more specifically, we'll be talking about a series of horrific crimes that occurred in the municipality Altamira. This case is especially difficult because all of the victims are incredibly young, and their lives were taken away far too soon in what would come to be known as the Altamira child emasculations. Because it is important to the story, I'm going to have Riley define emasculation for those who aren't familiar with the term. Okay, so if you have a weak stomach, this is your, like, first and, well, kind of second, but, like, only warning pretty much for the whole case. Like, I just wouldn't listen to this one if you're weak in that area. Um, because, like Angelica said, it's... It's really awful, and it's only going to get worse as it goes on. But um, emasculation is the removal of both the penis and the testicles from a person who has them. In this case, it is non-consensually for non-medical reasons. Like, they can be removed for medical reasons if people want them to. But in this case, it was non-consensual. They did not want it to happen. Yeah. um, The history of emasculation is broad and varying, like, there's some cultures that like do it intentionally and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But this is not that case. Like it's just horrifically done. All of the victims in Altamira involved boys that ranged from eight years old to 14 years old. So obviously whoever committed these crimes were complete monsters. Yeah. Because these are children. Yeah. Like children, children. Question, yeah. Where is Altamira in Brazil? I'm not familiar enough with Brazil's geography. Is it near Rio? Is it near Sao Paulo? Is it more is it, it cl- is. more inland, closer to the Amazon? Where is it? Altamira is in northern Brazil, and it's the largest municipality in both the state of Para and Brazil in general. Okay. It's and it's south of the big the big river, Bella. The Amazon River? Yep, that one. <laughs> You know where, like, the big opening of the Amazon River is? Yes. South and just a little bit west. Okay. These crimes were committed from 1989 to 1993 and involved approximately 13 boys. I'm going to list them and talk about any unique qualities in their cases. I do want to note that these boys were likely all sexually assaulted and most were also tortured in some way. But I'm also going to avoid as much of the gritty details that I possibly can because of how gruesome and inappropriate these crimes were. 
Yeah, like they already had to suffer once. We don't want to make them or their families or anyone listening suffer again. This case starts with three victims who thankfully survived. These boys were Joseph, eight years old, who was attacked on August 2nd, 1989. He was found hours after leaving home with an unknown man. Otonio, 10 years old, was approached by a man on November 16, 1989, who asked if he wanted to share some mangoes. And then the man put a cloth over his face that was strong smelling and caused him to pass out. While Declay, 9, was attacked in a very similar manner on July 23, 1990. Both Otonio and Waldicle had to undergo several reconstructive surgeries, and they also had to undergo psychological treatment after their attacks because they were so vicious. It's absolutely horrible what happened to these boys. I know, things like that, like, I'm so happy that they survived and they didn't fall, like, victim to it, but... Like, they have to go through so much afterwards as well. Like, they have to, like, relive it over and over as they're trying to get through it. And it just makes me so sad. Yeah, it's absolutely horrible. And then after these first three victims, six other boys were found dead. Alton Fonseca, 10 years old, was found almost two months after he was reported missing, which was on May 5th of 1991. Alton's body disappeared before any kind of analysis could take place, which is important to note. Like, his body just disappeared. Like, out of, like, like the building that they had it in? I have, like, literally no idea. It was just gone. They noted that it was just vanished. That is so weird. Yeah. It makes you wonder, like, who who did that? Yeah. Jardle de Cunha, 13 years old, was found days after being seen with an unknown individual in January of 1992. Inaldo de Suaza Teixeira, 12 years old, was killed on April 11, 1992. Janes da Silva Pessoa, 13 years old, was murdered on October 1, 1992, while he was taking care of his family's cattle. He had his eyes gouged out and both of his hands were chopped off. Ugh, ugh. I, I, oh my I really gosh, the that. eyes. Oh. Mm-hmm. Also, it just makes me think of that scene from Game of Thrones and it really makes me unwell. He was the only one noted to have his eyes gouged out, but it also said that several of them did. So this likely happened more than once. Oh, so they just, like, didn't specify, but it definitely happened. Clebson Fiera Caldas, 13 years old, was found murdered on November 17, 1992. Flavio Lopez del Silva, 10 years old, was found days after he went missing, which had been reported on March 27, 1993. He had human bite marks on his body. Apart from the previous victims, yeah, bite marks. There's a lot going on here. Apart from the previous victims, there were also five boys that went missing around this time. They have yet to be found. These boys were Tito Mendez, 13 years old, who went missing on January 20th, 1991. He was seen with an unknown man. JCB 11 years old, was last seen on August 21st of 1991. His case was dismissed 
because they didn't have any clues, which just baffles me because I don't know, like, I understand it going cold, but to just completely dismiss it seems odd. Yeah, a little bit sketchy. Was it just the local police investigating this or did they have national police on it? Because if it was just the local police, and I mean, this is an area in the Amazon, they're going to be a little bit more isolated from the rest of the country. So not that it's an excuse, not that it's okay, but it would make more sense to me uh, for the local police to do that rather than the national police. Do you know who did it? I think. threw it out? Oh, which one? That threw out the specific case? No. Yes. I'm not sure. Okay. And then we have Mauricio Fares de Suaza, 12 years old. And he was last seen with a man who had a red bicycle on December 27, 1992. Hainan Santos de Suaza, 9 years old, was last seen on January 23, 1993 in the company of two unknown men. Also, I know that they have the same last name, but I don't think they were related. And lastly, we have RFS, 11 years old, who was a shoe shiner who disappeared after he left his tools at the market, which I guess he never did, on July 9th of 1993. His brother had escaped an abduction attempt months prior, which I'm not sure if that was linked to this. So these weren't like, they didn't happen like back to back to back. This was over like a span of time. Yeah, I'm going to talk about that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So on the surface, like all of this is fucking terrifying and awful. Like I cannot imagine the fear that young boys had during this time or the fear that their families had. It's terrifying. And then it gets even more startling when you look at the patterns. The first three boys and the earliest victims all survived, thank goodness. But then in the later victims, you can see that these monsters had more of an understanding of what they wanted to do, and they were becoming more skilled at doing it. Six boys were murdered after those first three, and it seemed as if the crimes committed against them were getting more and more brutal. The people doing these things didn't seem to worry about being seen either. Which is terrifying because, like, one of those boys was killed on their family's property while he was, like, taking care of the cattle. And also so many of them are, like, went missing, last seen with an unknown man. Like, they weren't, like, hiding it. Exactly. Also, like, if there's people seeing this, like, why didn't they stop it? Well, it's it's weird because think about it. Back in the 70s in the States... Uh, It wouldn't have been weird for kids to go off on their own and, you know, maybe speak to adults because there was a lot of trust there. This happened not too long after in a place that is a lot smaller and more isolated. So they probably just had more trust in strangers. And so seeing a kid walking, walking around with an adult probably wasn't all that startling. They wouldn't have thought much of it until this started happening which is probably why no one paid attention and no one was like oh yeah this man looked like this this and this because they were just like they just it wasn't weird enough to take note yeah very but it's also weird to me that like no one ever recognized him like he must not have been a member of that community because i feel like he would have been recognized like someone would have said oh i saw that boy walking with so-and-so he works at blank you know yeah definitely 
And then you have to wonder as well about the five boys who went missing in the later years. Like, what if they just got better at hiding the evidence? And if so, could there have been more victims than the 13? That's definitely true. And then, like you were saying, Riley, there's significant gaps between these crimes, which is terrifying. Yeah, like months. Yeah, you couldn't know what to expect, which I'm assuming made it very difficult for the police to figure out anything, like any sort of pattern. Yeah, because it's it's not like even gaps. It's just like... The beginning of the year, the end of the year, the middle of the year, the end of the year. Like, it's just crazy. Exactly. And that's why I feel like a lot of these cases went cold because there just wasn't a lot of evidence and it took a long time to actually even link them together. And that also brings you back to, like, who the man could have been. Like, he had to have been, like, a functioning member of society who could go that long. Like, some killers, they're, like, like they have to kill, like, so often, like, with the... Lusaka Strangler, it was like one a week for like nine months. But this person obviously has like a long cool off period where they just seem like a normal person. Like no one would suspect them. Exactly. So despite the fact that a lot of these cases went cold and they couldn't link them, this case had a lot of attention because of the horrific crimes and the age of the victims. So the police did do a lot of investigation in order to put a stop to this. 1990 marked the first arrest that they made, and that was of a man named Rotelio de Suaza. Rotelio was a guy that was described as a drifter, but we don't really know much else about him. And I'm guessing he had to do something that was a little sketchy to make the people feel uncomfortable at the very least. Because police were convinced it was this guy. But he died in prison some months later under suspicious circumstances. And when similar crimes continued, it became obvious to police that they had the wrong guy. It was like, they picked him up in 1990. Crimes kept happening. Oh, yeah. I wonder if, like, he maybe also talked to like a lot of young boys and they like saw him repeatedly talking to them and so they're like this is suspicious but then things kept happening so they're like damn it we've got another one that could definitely be it because like a lot of the boys especially the ones that went missing um so i'm assuming the previous boys as well a lot of them like worked in the markets um or like didn't have a permanent home situation so they definitely could have crossed paths so it's not totally far out, um, but it wasn't him. It makes sense. After all this, police began to suspect that maybe what was actually going on here had to deal with organs, and they had fallen on an organ trafficking ring. And this was because it was noticed that several of the cuts looked like they were clinically made by someone who was probably a professional. And then recall, like, one of the bodies straight up went missing. So to me, that does indicate that maybe it was because there was some sort of individual that had access to, like, some sort of medical-related field. Yeah. This wasn't connected. How would would they get in and out of the building, like, unnoticed? It's so weird to me. And it wasn't connected anywhere that I found, but it, like, definitely makes you think because this body just disappeared okay but also i have a i have like a question and also an inference um 
so they were emasculating them and then also taking other organs? Question mark? Unclear. And I will uh, say something else about the organs. But yes, pretty much unclear. I wonder if there because were any doctors living locally that were living a bit uh, a, a bit above their means, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. But also, um, because if it wasn't extra organs, I just wonder how many people at the time needed uh, reproductive organs. Yeah. It seems like a very odd organ ring to be in unless people were like doing like unless like sex changes were illegal but then again they would be so small and underdeveloped i don't know this is just very like i'm trying to think of why they would they would need it but yeah yeah it's odd um but they did flag two men who had recently moved to altamira in 1990 and they both were doctors and they were Anicio Fejera de Suaza and Cecio Brandao. However, there still wasn't any evidence that supported this. So, it, And I guess it seemed like the organs weren't usable, which is, I'm guessing, what you were saying about them being, like, young kids. Um, but I, like, I'm not really sure if there were more organs missing or what give, gave them this idea, but I'm guessing... At least one organ had to be missing. Like I can see, I can see how like the cuts would seem like yeah, professional. Mm-hmm. But what would be the use for that other than like some sort of ritual or some weird fetish? Like I don't see what use that would have in like underground organ trading. Yeah, me either. Um, but both of the men were both released, and the case went cold again. Then. <laughs> Three years later, in 1993, this case goes fucking wild when it gets reopened. So, this sect is brought to light uh, called Linear Universal Superior. And there's some different versions of the name, but I found several that refer to it as Linear Universal Superior. So, I'm going to call it that. Um, And coincidentally, De Suaza and Brandau both were apparently members, so they get arrested again. I wonder how they found out that they were members. <laughs> Membership Some... cards on their keys. <laughs> Scan when they go to the store, get discounts. <laughs> Imagine if you were part of a cult and you just had a keychain that was like, yep. Scientology. I'm mean... part of the cult. It's like a sorority. <laughs> I'm part. It's like, who do you know here? Um, Who do you know here? <laughs> oh, God. So, Linear Universal Superior was a mystical organization that was founded by Valentina de Andrade. And they had some interesting and definitely controversial views. Valentina had written a book called God, the Great Scam. And it sort of served as guidelines for the group. And let's be honest, it was like a pretty fucking culty group. And the book had bits that went like, quote, watch out for children. They are unconscious instruments of the great scam called God and his evil collaborators, end quote. So they just, yeah. So they just generally had this 
distrust of children and straight up thought they were evil and dangerous. And also for some reason, they recommend paying special attention to those born after 1981. (laughs) I don't even know. Like what? Also, like, did they not realize that like they were also children at one point? Like, how do you get from being like the un like when does the untrustworthiness end and like the good person began? Like, I don't get it. It makes no no sense at all. Um, I also found one source that referred to linear universal superior as a UFO oh, as a UFO quote. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to just start that sentence over. I also found <laughs> I also found one source that referred to linear universal superior as a UFO cult. <laughs> are you okay <laughs> it's like i okay as a ufo cult and that they evidently preached that god didn't exist and that jesus was an alien messiah i believe that this is reaching because i didn't see it anywhere else but that's fucking funny to me like, yeah i would say that it's reaching a little but it's it's cool that she thought of it like it'd be like a cool book if like she didn't like worship the book like you know a sci-fi and hey like i think generally religion should be free to practice and teach their own however if you're like basing your belief system on the hatred of children i'm gonna go with that being a no-no like you need to step on the hatred of anyone (laughs) literally no religion and belief system should be based on hate and if it is then that's one that i just don't agree with exactly not that I agree with, like, r- religion in general. So sorry if you're religious. But, like, I, I accept them. I'm like, yeah, t- do what you want to do. If, if if it's making you a better person, sure, go for it. But obviously, a religion based on hate is not making anyone a better person. Exactly. If you're not harming anyone or yourself, then believe what you want. It's none of my business. It's none of anybody's business. But when your entire belief system is based around hate, that's a huge problem. And because it's only a matter of time children. before he turns into violence. Yes. Exactly. And, like, these views had an impact, it seemed, on other people. The book was taken seriously by some people, and it led to the organization to be investigated for involvement in the Evandru case that I'm going to have Riley touch on briefly. Yeah, so the Evandru case is, like, super super awful just like the ones that we're talking about right now and it's also sometimes called the guaratuba child murder so ivandro kaitanu was a six-year-old boy who disappeared on april 6 1992 and then his body was found on april 11th and similar to what we were just talking about he was missing many organs including his heart and his both his hands and feet had been amputated which there was there was a boy earlier that you mentioned, Angel, whose hands had been amputated, and it immediately made me think of this. Yeah. Um, there were two women indicted in this case, Beatrice Correro Abaje and her mother, Selena Abaje, and they were said to have requested the kidnapping and murder of Ivandru. Um, I don't it doesn't say who did it, but they quote unquote requested it, um, with the intent to use his corpse in a human sacrifice ritual. So this is why police thought that they may have gotten the idea from Valentina's book because 
sacrifice ritual, hating children. It kind of goes together, you know, no hands, no organs. Suspicious. Exactly. And they did end up determining that she wasn't involved, but that was after they investigated Valentina's estate. And not only did they find hoods and videotapes, but they found Valentina in a trance muttering about children. Ew. And even even if she didn't have anything to do it do with it, Valentina, like they still could have gotten the idea from the book. Exactly. Like if they were like in this cult and, you know, worshipped a religion that hated children. I don't know. Exactly. And despite the real lack of evidence here, like literally there weren't any autopsies done on any of the children. There wasn't any forensic evidence collected from any of the scenes. Um, but despite all of this, the case got closed. The conclusion was that it was done by this group of individuals who participated in Satanism and black magic. They relied on previous investigations and witness testimony, which also, I don't know, all of the witness testimony really has to be taken with a grain of salt. These were that, I would say so. Yep. These were that of an older gentleman who said he saw Dr. Brandau on the Trans-Amazonian Highway carrying a styrofoam box and a blood-stained machete. And then another one of these guys evidently went to one of these cultish meetings at De Suaza's house in 1991, where he saw Valentina de Andrade. Later on, an ex-husband of Valentina even came forward as a witness, citing that he had witnessed people's clear allegiance to her. Okay, but why would this man just, like, ride... Was he, like, walking on the Trans-Amazonian Highway carrying... This bloodstained machete or... Seems questionable, right? It seems really questionable to me. Also, also, if these incisions, if you will, looked so precise and, like, professional, I can guarantee you that they weren't using a machete for them. Seriously. Exactly. Like, they had to have been using actual tools, like... If they were to use a machete, it's not going to look like it was professionally done by a doctor. Yep, you're right. <laughs> no doubt about it. But from all of this put together, we have seven perpetrators with different roles. Anisio Fejera de Suaza, who was the doctor, he performed the castrations. Also, to mislead everyone, he like consistently would help members of the community. Like, he Whoa, would offer, you're doing so <laughs> like he'd offer discounted medical care and stuff like that and it's like oh yeah you're such a good dude not imagine imagine like trying to confuse people by being a good person <laughs> okay wait so these people these seven people are these people being arrested for these crimes yep and we got they were arrested because of witness testimony yes yes okay i just was a little unclear yeah. Um, and then we had Cecio Brandau, and he was the other doctor who also performed the castrations. And Hamilton Madeira Gomez was the man who would essentially make contact with the boys, and he was the guy 
that would sexually assault them. Carlos Alberto Santos Lima worked as security, as did Eldinor Fiera Cardusto. Both men were also military policemen. Lovely. Yeah. Jose Amadeus Gomez was Hamilton's dad and the mastermind of the murders, I guess. Why uh, like, do we like, always have allegedly? Shit Why? Why are all the Jose's <laughs> always right? horrible people? Right. And then lastly, we of course have Valentina de Andrade. Well, and we've we've talked about her enough. We don't need to anymore. Yeah, I don't need to hear about this again. <laughs> then the case moved forward after the indictment was accepted in September of '93. It was a really long process, and it was honestly really hard for me to follow. Because let's face it, this case had nothing that really linked these members to the crimes. And, like, that's why it was difficult for me to answer, like, were they arrested? Because, like, they were arrested and then they'd, like, sometimes be released and then they wouldn't be. It was really difficult to understand. So if you, like, know more about the arrest process, I would love to hear about it. Um, And also the witnesses were just a mess. But... Somehow, the judge still found it satisfactory enough to pronounce all of them guilty in June of 1994. But then that got challenged and an appeal was made. They upheld the arrest, though, in December because there was a lot of pressure. So basically, these people were arrested because they were a part of this cult that supposedly practiced black magic which freaked people out and it was linked to a crime that was somewhat similar to the other crimes that's all they had this was all this was based on yes i'm so sorry for my phone right cool okay that's just gonna be in this episode and it's just it's proof that uh, your parents need to get rid of their house phone <laughs> It usually never rings. And when it does ring, it only rings like once or twice because my dad installed that like robot that like filters out spam calls. So we know if it only rings once or twice and it's nothing important. But that must have been like Kathy or something calling <laughs> because <laughs> Kathy's my aunt. But um, because it never rings that many times. <laughs> That's super funny. Um, then in 1995, a bunch of the trial was just straight up annulled. Because multiple of the witnesses retracted their statements because they said that oh, they had, wow. yeah, they said that they had only given them under immense pressure. So they essentially surprise, surprise. had nothing. And then in 2003, most of these trials like actually took place, I think, uh, like after all of the um, annulments and the appeals and all of that. Um, and so these are like the real trials. I believe quote so, unquote. yes. And okay. they used all of what they could, and Anasio and Valentina both continued to insist upon their innocence. Anasio said he'd only met with the other doctor once, and he'd never interacted with Valentina. And then Valentina claimed to not recognize the hoods found in her house, and denied being in Altamira during the period these crimes took place. When you say hoods, do you mean like culty, like cloak hoods? I'm assuming. <laughs> I honestly okay. don't really want to think about it because it creeps me out. And yeah, no, I agree. Also, you know, uh, never mind. You wouldn't know. Never mind. <laughs> it has to do with SpongeBob. So just also, Bella, did you watch SpongeBob as a kid? Yeah. 
Do you remember that episode where like Squidward or SpongeBob was trying to get into like that cult and they wore, wore like the red hoods and cloaks? No. All right, never mind. Sorry. No, it's fine. It's just my brain. <laughs> also, I'm going to mention that uh, the other doctor, I believe, at one point filed a lawsuit against like either the court or the police. There wasn't a lot like of information defamation? about it. Uh, something like that. It was just like because of the lack of information and yeah. All in all, it seems like the defendants were charged with the murder of three boys and the maiming of two other boys, which is really confusing to me because there were more victims. But I guess because of the shoddy job that they did here is all that they could do. It's like it's all that they could gather up. Um, The perpetrators connected to these crimes received 35 to 77 years in prison. And I really want to hear more details, again, about this outcome. So if anyone has more information, I would love to hear it. Because I couldn't, like, find anything after 2004. Like, I want to know if these people are still in prison. Like, was it continuously upheld? Also 35 to 77. (laughs) Yeah, I believe uh, the Anasio and Valentina got the 77 years. I would hope so. But wait, there's more. And there always is, <laughs> apparently. In 2003, another man was apprehended. And this dude is definitely a serial killer and a total fucking creep. Well, um, like he is a serial yeah, killer. He like, is. What, like he is. <laughs> like you can't deny it. Uh, so, Riley, you want to talk about that guy real quick? Yeah. Uh, so his name was Francisco das Chagas Rodriguez de Brito. I hope that's right. I practiced it a lot before we started, but I'm going to call him Francisco. He is a convicted serial killer who killed between uh, the years of 1989 and 2003. And his victims were boys um, ages four to 15 years old. Uh, The exact number of his victims isn't really known. Like a lot of times it's the same in cases like this. Um, I found numbers up to 42 which holy shit is a lot um because that's what he was charged for he was like officially charged for 42 um but honestly there could have been a whole lot more like i said in these kinds of cases you never really know um and the reason why angelica wanted me to chat about this and about him is because he also emasculated his victims and there was suspicion that or there still is suspicion that the victims in the case that we're talking about today um, were actually victims of his. But again, that's just speculation. Like, I mean, it could account for the eight, was it five or eight boys that went missing but were never found? I don't know. Again, speculation, but it seems kind of connected yeah. in a way. But there there also wasn't any, like... Um, I didn't see anything about him, like, taking other organs out or cutting hands off or feet off. So, I don't know. Very weird. I don't know why so much of this was going on at this one period in time. Like, why, why, why were there so many people doing these things? But, you know. Yeah, I'm not convinced that they got, that they got the people doing it. I'm really not. No, I'm definitely not convinced either. Because I know that in uh, Amazonian towns or, or 
places in South America in general that are a bit more isolated from the rest of the world. They're not as uh, indoctrinated with uh, like Christianity, with uh, Catholicism that came over from Europe. And they tend to be a lot more sensitive to things around witches and black magic. And so I can really imagine uh, it, satanic panic, I guess, but it wouldn't really be satanic panic, you know, in this sort yeah. of situation because um, it wouldn't be Satan. Yeah. But yeah, well, like, I mean, in this sense, like it was just like people hating children. Yeah. Child panic. I don't know. Like, like so weird. Yeah. Um. Do you but, know if if her sorry? Do you know if the book that Valentina wrote actually calls for violence against children, or is it just being like children suck? I believe it calls for violence. Well, because okay. it says children are like untrustworthy, like little menaces. I would mm-hmm. assume that in those sentences, it yes, also says for sure violent things. Yeah. Um, and so, like, there's just so much sus- suspicion here. Like, what if Francisco really did all of these? Because, like, he had victims in Altamira. Like, he did. Yeah. And keep in mind... They were very close together. Exactly. And keep in mind... And it would make sense... Sorry. It would make sense that people didn't recognize him if he's from out of town coming into Altamira to pick up young boys. That sounds so bad. But, you know. Yeah. And... Keep in mind that the doctors, they came to Altamira a year after these crimes started. And Francisco started killing mm-hmm. in 1989. So it's a puzzling situation. Um, the- it also makes you think if there was more than one person, like maybe they knew him and they were still working together. I mean, we're never going to know for sure unless one of them makes a deathbed confession. I mean... Something. Didn't you say when you were uh, going through the list of victims that one was seen walking away with two men? Exactly. That's what I was going to talk about. Like, that's really the biggest proof to me that maybe there really were multiple perpetrators. That's the biggest clue to me that maybe it wasn't Francisco. Yeah, because I mean, like, and even because these incisions were made so uh what's the word i'm looking for like professionally one of the men might have been better at luring children and the other man might have been better at performing procedures Mm -hmm. i mean you never know yeah some people just don't have it all another fact um the members the two guys that were part of the military police they also like talked about being involved with the group so maybe they said something too that convinced them uh, but I'm really not sure because it was so vague about it. Um, yeah. But uh, I personally think that this group of people did do something. Maybe not everything. But these people had some really fucking sketchy views. So I'm just and not there's also like There's also a chance that they had to do with like three of them. They just didn't have to do with all of them. Yeah. But they may have they may have done some sort of ritual or something. And then, but they also knew that this other serial killer was going around and doing this to boys. So, like, maybe they copied, um, cleverly covered it up. Like, yeah, like made it it look like it was part of this other case. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just not convinced that they didn't do anything, like any crimes ever. No, I'm not convinced. I mean, they're definitely guilty of something, but I don't know if they're guilty of this. Yes. Same. Um, Regardless of who did what, 
This did lead to a number of women, particularly mothers, to rise up in solidarity and become more involved in politics and inspire change, which is a nice note. The yeah, only, I appreciate that. The only nice note of this whole whole story. Sorry. But that's... Yeah. That's, that's but I still appreciate it. it. Yes. Um, so that's also, our case. I was trying to think of... <laughs> wait. I was trying to think of the word emasculated, but all I could think of was emaciated. <laughs> And I was like, I just know that that's not right. <laughs> no, no, no. The first guy that ever asked me out was named Francisco. What? Wait, I'm sorry. I, I thought you were about to say that it was like, his name was like Emasculate or something. No. Because that was what we were talking No, I'm sorry. Francisco. Uh, it was in seventh grade and he wrote on like the tiniest scrap sheet of paper, will you go out with me? And then yes or no, circle one. And he didn't even fold it. He just like crumpled it up into a bowl and like Did slipped it yes into my no. hand and circled no. And then I threw it away. <gasps> Angel- Angelica, I think you were next to me. I think you were yeah. with me when I, when I, was, I did that. I was next to you during um, quite a bit of our first like boyfriend asking outness. Y'all were scheming. Oh, that's right. I had Locker next to you, bro. Yeah, yeah, I was the first time I said yes to a boy asking me out. Uh, it happened walking from my class to my locker, like in the hallway. He just said, do you want to go out with me? And I said, yeah. And then I went to my locker and he walked away. And then you were there. And I was like, so it just asked me out. And I said, yes, Michael. <laughs> yeah. oh, seventh grade. What, what a ride. If you're listening, uh, Michael, Michael and Francisco, I have nothing to say to you. I don't know. <laughs> about you shout out (laughs) the shout outs we never knew we'd give (laughs) i hate everything i'm never gonna think i cannot think about middle school anymore that's enough anyway y'all can find us on instagram at true crime intl um you can also join our facebook group uh which is just under true crime international uh, to talk to us about this case, anything you might have to add about the trial process, because I'm confused. Tell me if these fuckers are still in prison, or maybe they're not because they didn't do it. Um, and also, we we post pictures from yes, every single case on our Instagram and our Facebook. So if you're ever like listening and you're like, "Dang, I wonder what this guy looked like. I wonder what this place looked like." We've posted pictures of them. Yeah. So just head over there and check them out because exactly. they're really also, cool. And we we love putting the pictures to the stories. That's like one of my favorite parts, honestly. If you're from any of these countries or have family from these countries, have spent a significant amount of time in these countries, please talk to us about the culture. Let us know things that we got wrong or maybe didn't explain properly or just left out because we just are we just don't know because we can't know mm-hmm. the cu- we can't know all the culture of every country that we do, even though we try. Um, but like, like, man, I want to talk to you about your country. I, yeah, talk to you anything about, your about it. It doesn't even have to relate to the case. Just say, no. I'm from, you know, I'm from Brazil, and this is something cool that we do, even though I don't know anything about the case. That's cool too. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're I always love down that. To I chat. love cultural stuff. That's my favorite thing when I travel. I really put forth an effort to go out with someone from a country that I've never gone out with before. Uh-huh. Uh, and learn about their culture and get, get drunk with them. Like, that's my whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> and also, we haven't mentioned this in a while, but if you are from a different country, um, a country that we have or haven't done, um, and you know of any cool cases, we have a case suggestion form in our um, Instagram in our bio. Instagram bio. Yeah. 
and you can just drop a suggestion there. It's a form. It's really easy to fill out. Um, or if you don't have an Instagram, you can always post on the Facebook or message us on Facebook. Anything you want to do, any way you want to get it to us for now, totally works. Exactly. Um, also, we have a Patreon, so you can look for us there. Um, and we're starting to do um, episodes like layovers, red eyes, um, extra content. And right now we only have one level that and it costs five dollars a month which is not that much money so if you want to donate for some people it's not that much money for some people so if you have the money and you would like to donate we would really appreciate it exactly but we will still keep putting out content mom subscribe to my patreon (laughs) (laughs) yeah my mom said she would too and she hasn't right i'm like bitch we need to call out our mother we only have two right now and one of them is angelica's sister Mom, you're not a bitch. I love you. <laughs> um, My mom, you're a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> she listens to this on the way to work. I know she's going to laugh. I'm dead. Okay. Um, it's okay. In my family, it's a it's a fun thing that we say to each other. Don't worry. I mean, yeah. It's endearing. <laughs> I literally flip People my dad like, Wow. Off. American culture is so weird. <laughs> I flip my, my dad My mom's off. British. All the time. Yes. Um... My, also, Riley, my mother, my mother would smack you if you called her American. How dare you? <laughs> well, I'm talking about in general. Yeah, us. you know it's how we, us. the um, relationship we have with Mark and Laura. Yes, for sure. Um, also, if you're listening to us on Apple, make sure Apple Podcast, not just Apple, <laughs> <laughs> on Apple Podcast, make sure to give us a five star review to let us know that you're liking what we're doing. Um, also to make us feel good about ourselves because and you can leave us a little note yeah say hello there's a spot to like write stuff in it's very fun very fresh funky five-star reviews really help the show grow and 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 get seen so we really appreciate if you would leave five star a five-star review yeah Um, helps with the uh the algorithms that people always complain about now i understand why people complain about algorithms well, this has been a chaotic ending. Uh, but on that note, Isabella, we take hope us you learned away. something new. Oh, it's me this week. Shit. Okay. <laughs> anyway, that's all from us here today. We hope you've enjoyed your stay at True Crime International. 